Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the Harry Styles to my Liam Payne, Keith Caulfield, how's it going, Keith? Oh, I'm good. I, I, I'm not even going to dive into that One Direction thing. Uh, well, I got one D on the mind, man. I, I was at the show last night. I was at MetLife Stadium where they played the Super Bowl, and I was in the stadium for One Direction's Where We Are tour. Wow. Um, I've never witnessed that kind of fandom. There were legitimately crying girls in, in the stadium, and I was like... I was like, I was really impressed. Really, it was a fun. It was a really fun show. But like the signs and the screaming, and yeah, hey man, One Direction. If you didn't know, they're nothing. They're they're nothing to mess around with. Like they they go hard. It was crazy. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> How you doing today, Keith? I'm doing well, Jason. Yeah, man. It, it sound you sound you sound you're doing well. You I just I'm like not I'm not well. trying to I'm not trying to eat up valuable podcast time with like <laughs> I know we gotta make this one Harry Styles hair. So <laughs> we gotta make this one quick because we have to get to a Jesse J interview and performance later in the podcast. Jesse J last week stopped by to talk about her new top ten hit. Yes, we can say that top ten hit, Bang Bang with Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj. She talked about the song and she talked about the new album, as well as she performed Bang Bang acoustically, which you'll get to hear exclusively on the Pop Shop podcast in a couple minutes. Um, just a, a quick note. I know, Keith, you want to hit the ground running, but a couple quick notes, podcasty notes. Um, thanks again to everyone who listened last week uh, to the Hillary Duff interview, all of her fans we're really appreciative on Twitter and the the podcast itself. I think was one of our our highest rated. I, I guess we get ratings. I don't know, but it was the most listened podcast I think we've ever had. So that was very cool to see. So thanks again to all those who listened to that. Um, also, Keith, I don't know if you know, but we taped a Pop Shop podcast at Lollapalooza on Sunday. We posted it on Monday. Uh, you were not a part of it. I, I missed you dearly, but that is on iTunes and on Billboard.com right now. We talked about watching Eminem and Rihanna and Lord and Iggy Azalea and Outkast and much, much, much more. So you're, you're dead to me now, Jason. Since you did, I know, me. man. I felt I cheated on you. It was it, I, I felt so wrong, but it felt so right. And finally, one last podcast note. So Billboard.com proudly just launched a new podcast last week. It is called the Must Hear Music Podcast. Another I am one? on it. Good. Another one. Hey, man, we can't stop. We can't. Podcasts on We're podcasts. We're producing like bunnies around here. <laughs> 
Hey, man. I mean, I mean, first it was the Pop Shop podcast, and then Erica Ramirez has the Juice podcast, which is great. And now we have the third one, Must Hear Music podcast. It, it's actually really fun. Uh, I've been a panelist on it. I, I'm trying to help uh, it hit the ground running itself. But it, it's basically just me and a couple other editors of Billboard.com talking about new and noteworthy music that either came out this past week or that maybe a, an artist that has not has yet to hit the charts but you should check out um it's so it's, so it's a great way to catch up if you don't if you don't like aren't totally in in tune with everything that's going on in new music that's hitting the charts and hitting the radio and hitting youtube this will be your one-stop shop for all things in new music and you can have it easily digested in one like lump sum each week Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, I mean, Keith and I spent a lot of time talking about the top of the charts. We we focus on everything in the top 10 of the albums chart and the top 10 of the Hot 100 and, and beyond. But uh, this is a good way to catch up on new music that we're, we're feeling at the moment and that we think people should check out, whether it be hip hop, R&B, pop, country. I think we even had like some jazz and, and some some maybe we'll get some opera in there. You never know. So uh but but it's great an alternative and rock and it, it's a really fun thing. It, it's uh, we'll have a new one this Thursday, uh, so check that out on Billboard.com. And then I believe after this week, it'll go up every Tuesday, so that'll be nice because the new, uh, albums usually come out on Tuesday. So must hear music podcast. And uh, all right, let's do it, man. So that was a that was my little preamble. But we got to get to our own podcast uh, where we can talk about Tom Petty, yes. who has his first number one album of his career. As Jason would say, hey-o, or hey McMahon would actually probably say, <laughs> right? That's, that's who you're ripping off, right? A little bit. Yeah, I, little I, bit. I rip off a lot of people, but Ed McMahon is one of them. You're so, utterly unoriginal, Jason, but we still love you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, Tom Petty, amazingly, Tom Petty, legend of rock, Tom Petty. As he once sang and continues to sing, the waiting is the hardest part. Finally has his first number one album on the Billboard 200 chart. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' new album, Hypnotic Eye, debuts at number one. It sold 131,000 copies last week. Um, It's his first number one after a 37-year wait on the chart, and that's pretty freaking amazing. So congrats to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Amazing. 37 years. 37 um, yeah. So right below, right below Tom Petty, Eric Clapton is number two. I know it's it's, um, it's like it's it's like land of sort of the veteran rockers at the top of the Billboard 200. I know after week. like five seconds of summer last week, now it's like it's recalibrated back to <laughs> you know the veteran artists. So veteran. Eric Clapton is number two. Yeah, Eric Clapton and Friends is number and two. Friends. Yes, it's it's a uh, it's, it's sort of a tribute album. It's not to JJ Kale. Yeah, yeah, very it's, cool. It's not a sort of. It is a tribute album to to the to the late singer songwriter JJ Kale. Uh, features everyone from John Mayer to Tom Petty himself is on this album as well. And um, it's actually Eric Clapton's highest charting album since 1994. So woohoo, Eric Clapton. So Tom Petty is on the number one album of the week and the number two album of yes. the week. It's Tom the, Petty has taken over. The golden like that, touch of Tom Petty. Like, like DJ Khaled, Tom Petty's taken over one album at a time. I'm looking for that collabo. So <laughs> also in the top five this week, um, and you you wrote about this. I, I mean, you wrote about all these albums in your in your weekly column. But I, I was really interested in this, the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Now, yeah. the movie itself came out this past Friday. Blockbuster had a had a surprisingly big debut. I, I mean, I guess it's not that surprising for like a Marvel movie to have a big debut. But I think like 
this wasn't like Spider-Man. This this was Guardians of the Galaxy. It had I mean, a huge debut. Yeah, there's no huge stars in it, really. It, I think it did like $90 million at the U.S. and Canada box office, which is huge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the soundtrack um, debuts uh, much bigger than expected. It debuts at number... <clears throat> sorry. I just choked a little bit. Debuts in the top. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. It debuts in the top five on the on the Billboard 200. Sold about sixty thousand copies, which is way bigger than the like fifteen thousand than was originally anticipated. Uh, debuts in number three on the Billboard 200. Now this soundtrack is twelve songs. Um, it's all sort of classic pop hits from the '70s, like "Blue Sweets," "Hooked on a Feeling." There's a Jackson Five song. There's an old David Bowie track, um, and the songs play a really important role in the movie. They're they're all on a mixtape in a Walkman that is owned by the main character of the movie, and that Walkman was given to him by his late mother. So it plays a really emotional role in the movie, and clearly that music resonated with audiences who then turned around and went out and got the album. So that's why it debuts so well this week. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I, I read that little uh, blurb in your story, and I was really interested in that kind of like a soundtrack that correlates exactly with this important mixtape in the movie. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, and you you obviously got choked up about it. Are you okay? I'm I know fine. It's an no, emotional I'm fine. soundtrack I'm good. for you. I'm good. Okay. Very good. It's just Chris um, Pratt. He he just makes me all you know choked I up know, inside. Yeah. I know. So uh, speaking of soundtracks, uh, Keith, the last thing I want to talk about on the albums chart is the Frozen soundtrack. I know we we talk about the Frozen soundtrack. But it's actually, so it's finally out of the top five. How long has it been since it, it, it was uh, not last in the top, the top five? Yeah, not in the top five. Uh, yeah, so the Frozen soundtrack uh, finally falls out of the top five after uh, 31 consecutive weeks in the top five. It moves two to six on the chart. Um, but, you know, never fear, this is actually still its 34th straight week in the top 10. Um, it has been in the top 10 since December. Um, I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. Um, we'll still be talking about Frozen come Christmas later this year, probably. Unreal. It's August. It's still in the top 10. It's it's just slipped out of the top five. We're it's... in summer. I still haven't seen the movie, have you? I have. I told you I saw the movie. Oh, okay. Remember, that was like that was the whole thing, uh, one of the episodes where I was like, you're the Elsa to my Anna, and I was talking about how right. I, did, I thought it was good but not great, and you were like, oh, all the Frozen fans are going to jump on you. Do Frozen fans have like an ar- uh, a fan army? This fr- is is a movie allowed to have a fan army? Maybe. I don't know. Are they the Chili's? The Frozenites? Are, are they the, the fr- Chili? The Chili's? <laughs> the Snowmen. <laughs> anyway. All right. This is, anyway, um, so we got to jump over to the Hot 100. Keith, where Rude is still number one. So this is its fourth week atop the Hot 100, correct? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. So Rude is still number one, four weeks. So I wanted to check back in on the song by Magic, uh, which has been number one for about a month. And beca- because, you know, we, we kind of glossed over it uh, um, the past few weeks while it was still at number one. But it's, it's in this interesting time period where, so Rude has been number one for four weeks. Fancy by Iggy Azalea and Charlie XCX was number one for seven weeks, so it still has three weeks to go. But all the all-important song of the summer chart is basically down to these two songs, right? Basically, yes. Um, for, for folks that are listening, Billboard compiles a Songs of the Summer chart, which is based upon the weekly performance on the Hot 100. Um, and it's compiled through the weeks of the summertime. So we're about midway through the summer now. And uh, uh, Fancy still leads um, on our weekly Songs of the Summer chart. 
But Rude is actually gaining, um, and Rude could, in theory, actually uh, you know, overtake Fancy to become the Song of the Summer for 2014 um, if it continues to hold on to number one and rack up those points. So, it, like, in terms of how far away it is from Fancy, like I said, Fancy number one for seven weeks, uh, Rude number one for four weeks, it, it, but it comes down, like you said, to the points. Right. The it's not just about points. how many weeks you spend at number one. It's more okay. about the, the the math involved in making you number one each week. So, so if yeah. if I were to put if I were to put a gun to your head and say, Keith, what's going to be the song of the summer for 2014 when all is said and done? What would you say? Uh, good question. I don't want to, and listen, I don't want to put a gun to your head, but this this is a very crucial start. You know, chart if, statistic. It, if you had Gary Trust in here, or maybe Silvio Pietrolongo, who 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 are a little closer to the chart, I think you could pull the gun thing on them. But I I, I it's going to be either one of them. I think I I'm not quite sure which one it's going to be. So it's a toss up for those listening. Gary and Silvio are are Keith's cohorts in the chart realm of Billboard, um, but. Okay, so you think it, so? It, it's almost like a coin flip now. That's that's pretty interesting to I me. Like, you're, you're you're like creating headlines with this. It's a coin flip. I'm a, Who's gonna I'm be? I'm a hundred percent not creating. Hell, hey, I, it, I think it's interesting because usually at this point of the summer, it's like August, and you you ha- you know what the song of the summer is going to be. Like at this point, last summer, Blurred Lines was number one for it, it was number one in mid June and it just went number one basically throughout the rest of the summer. Almost. It was also number one for twelve weeks. You yeah, know, so, so. twelve, so twelve weeks. So you're like at this point, you're like, all right, Blurred Lines probably gonna be a song of summer. Before that, Call Me Maybe uh, probably gonna be a song of summer. So like, it's interesting to me that we're actually in a year that there's like a battle bet- between Fancy and Rude. And and again, it doesn't really matter. Like both of the songs are still it completely smash matters. Hits. It, but yes, it does completely matter what song is going to define summer of 2014. Have you not seen the endless headlines generated on on uh, entertainment websites and through social media about the song of the summer? Everyone seems to like the idea of trying to determine what is the song of the summer. So therefore, it must be important if everyone's talking about it. That was a little um, bit of sarcasm, but actually, there's <laughs> some there's some legitimate like actual validity to it you know it's become a thing where people really care about it it becomes sort of this meme and and much like in the way like in the uk people really care about what the christmas number one is people people like to talk about what the song of the summer is it has a nice alliteration to it it has a nice flow and people like summertime so it all kind of goes hand in hand so we will keep an eye as we always do on the song of the summer rude versus fancy um so so keith let's talk about the rest of the Hot 100, we have two new top 10 songs this week. Oh, yes. Very exciting. So so first, let's talk about this Megan Trainer song. We talked about all about that bass, I, I believe, a couple weeks ago when it first debuted on the chart. But let, let's, let's discuss this song. And first of all, it, it jumps into the top 10. 28 to 8 this yeah, week. Yeah, just a little so, jump. Just a little. A, yeah, I mean, and Keith's being sarcastic because that's a, a huge jump. Yes, that's incredible. It's been only been on the chart for four weeks. That's incredible. Yeah. So what is pushing it up so quickly? Is is radio catching on? Yeah, no, it's 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 kind of blowing the roof off on radio. Um, I mean, the, the song was already a viral hit um, because of its social message. Because for those that haven't heard the song or seen the video, the, the song is by, I believe she's 20, um, Megan Trainer, um, and it's basically a song that celebrates the curves and booty of full-figured 
folks. Um, yes. And she herself, she said that she wrote it kind of um, in a way about herself. Um, she's she's not a, a skinny little girl. Uh, she's she's sort of an, a normal a normal lady. Um, and she's saying it sort of about herself. And in the video, you see dancers that have you know, booties and so forth. And it's kind of a nice image to project to the world. And that's really caught folks' attention, and, that, and that's caught radio's attention, too. It's also catchy, and it has a fun beat to it, and that's why people, that's why radio especially is catching on to it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of stalling a little bit because I was seeing where it is on the airplay charts. It's actually, it had a huge, like, I think 98% gain in airplay, but it's, wow. still, it's still gaining at radio. Like, it, it, it's blowing up at radio, but it's not even on our radio songs chart yet, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, so... It's one of those things where it's a viral hit and the viral stuff is driving its sales and the streaming numbers from YouTube are help driving it up the chart. And radio is exploding too, but radio was going to catch on probably in like two or three weeks from now. So we could we, this could be a number one hit. It could possibly yeah. be number one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the pattern of, of its movement, like you said, it's in, it's been on the Hot 100 for four weeks and it's jumped by leaps and bounds each week this this week going up 20 spots to, num- to number eight all it, yeah, i mean it's just seven spots away so we shall see um but i mean yeah it's it's pretty remarkable what this song has accomplished already it's pretty mar- remarkable that you know this is this is a hit with a positive message and people are really seeming to latch onto it there's a lot of there's a lot of videos uh lately with a lot of sort of positive female empowerment messages lately right jason Oh, I would I would totally agree. I mean, I, I think about that John Legend song that that has a great message in it. But I, I think that, like you said, it it this all about that bass has a positive message, but it's also catchy as hell. Like it's it, and that's a huge part of it. Is that I mean, I remember hearing it for the first time, and you, I, I you know, I immediately knew what the hook was in, in terms of just like repeating it back. So. I uh, I think that has a lot to do with it, and um, people are really falling for this song. It's all song. about the ladies with no treble. Exactly. So, also in the top ten this week, uh, big debut from Bang Bang. We expected this. Jesse J, Ariana Grande, and Nicki Minaj uh, at number six, right? Number six on the Hot 100? Debut straight in at number six, indeed. So, this is a big debut. Is this basically what we expected, or... or past expectations what what do you think no this is i think this is what we expected i think some people were were maybe hoping that it would debut at number one but it's really hard to debut at number one these days so i think you know just gained in the top 10 in its first week is a pretty huge achievement yeah yeah and you know i i mean i i guess we should expect it to slip in its second week just because all those people downloaded it immediately last week and I think I think in your column you wrote that it had the second biggest digital debut of any song this year, behind Problem by Ariana Grande, right? Exactly. It sold 230,000 downloads in its first week, and that is the second biggest debut of the year after Problem by also Ariana Grande. So Ariana is sort of queen of the universe right now in terms of um, the pop charts. And meanwhile, Nicki Minaj on the song had a huge week because she had this song come out then she had the flawless remix with beyonce come out on uh saturday night and then she had anaconda come out so it's it's 
like it's Nicki Minaj takeover week. It's crazy. Yeah, Nicki Minaj. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, sort of full-figured ladies, she's sort of you know she and Megan Trainer should you know have a conversation because <laughs> I mean no, but seriously, um, you know, seriously, Anaconda uh, references Sir Mix-a-Lot baby got Sir Mix-a-Lot's baby got back, which mm-hmm. is all about celebrating uh, full-figured women and not skinny. Twiggy ladies doing aerobics back in 1992. Um, and when Nicki Minaj was criticized over the single artwork for Anaconda, which is is very, very sort of bodacious and booty-licious, um, she then went on to an Instagram tear where she was criticizing um, skinny white models um, who were wearing tiny, tiny little, like, you know, dental floss bikinis on the cover of Sports yep. Illustrated. So... You know, it, it's interesting that we're in this moment where sort of like full-figured, big-booty girls are saying, nope, we're here and we're in charge, <laughs> you know, kind of. I don't know. It, no, it's it's totally interesting. It really is like – and it's a great point by Nicki Minaj where it's like, you know, look, it, it was a suggestive single artwork. But people were like – I think it's like censored on Spotify, which I think is crazy because it's, it's – like you said, you, you see the same stuff on Sports Illustrated. It's just people with different figures. And I, I mean, yeah, like like I said, I, obviously Nicki Minaj is a huge star, but Megan Trainer delivering the same message basically with all about that bass, and like I said before, really connecting with people. Yeah. So bang bang again, big debut number six, and let's get to uh, Jessie J. She stopped by, and you know Jessie J is really interesting to me because she's a huge star over overseas, and yet and she's had two top forty hits here. With Price Tag and Domino, which were legitimate radio hits, but you know, still trying to really establish herself as a pop star in the U.S. Um, her last album, Alive, was only released overseas uh, last year, but now she's coming back strong in the U.S. with Bang Bang, which has two huge American stars in Nicki Minaj and Ariana Grande. So, Jesse J uh, stopped by, like I said, the Pop Shop Pop Podcast to talk about Bang Bang and her next album. So check out the interview right now. So so take me through the genesis of this song, how Bang Bang came to be with you, Ariana, and Nikki on it. I basically was kind of about three quarters of the way into my album, and Max Martin sent me a song and said, you have to sing this with at least two other girls. I think you, Nikki, and Ariana could be... So Amazing. he knew he knew the lineup. He, well, but he but he he basically him and me myself and Ariana, and then I was like I I really feel like Nikki could be amazing on this, and he played it for her, and she was like uh yeah, um and even that response in itself, I was just so humbled like for someone just to be so sure and willing in their busy schedule and to make time, and I just felt like it was meant to be like a moment, a party, a uh, not. A, a feature, not a duet. It's like we're a girl, a girl band. Yeah. For the next few months. So, yeah. did you actually get to spend time with Ariana and Nikki? No, I meet them for the first time tomorrow. To wow, shoot the video. for the video. No okay. pressure.com. So, what is that like having these two female artists and such different artists? Yeah on this song with you kind of sharing the spotlight kind of taking them with you on this ride they've challenged me a lot like in the sense of that that having such high caliber of artists on the on the record had made made me want to push my vocal and go back in and add stuff and like ariana was just like butter her vocals are just oh so smooth and silky and soft and and then nikki's verse is just i think it's one of the best verses this year i just think she's 
amazing. Kind of split between the U.S. and the U.K. Now you, you put out an album last year overseas. You're coming back to the U.S. this year. Yeah. What is that like? Kind of having a, a little bit of a divide between those two areas. It's it's strange, but it's the way it is. And with success and time comes uh, decisions that you can make as an artist. So you have to just bite the kind of bullet and and realize that there are certain things that you can't control. Obviously, I would have always preferred the, uh, the second album to come out here also, but it's not my decision. Yeah. I wish my fans understood that sometimes. But however, where I'm at right now, maybe not as impactful if it had to come out. So I know that the last thing I had here was Domino. So I'm really excited for the second album um, here and obviously third album everywhere else. But I feel like a live will be discovered once this album comes out here because um, there'll be that big kind of gap between the first album and the second album with regards to the rest of the world. So, yeah, it's frustrating, but it, everything happens for a reason. So you think it'll be kind of noticeable having that that gap between the first album and now this upcoming album just just in terms no, of musically maybe i feel like i feel like the second album for me was like a real like how can i explain it it was like the soft kind of moment it was very easy listening and it was just calmer and i felt like it was where i was at in my life where i kind of just settled and kind of just i just felt calm the first album was quite aggressive and in your face and like, you know, I'm here and, uh, and I was quite young. And the second album was like just calmer and taking it in and being a little more observant and kind of taking a step back. Whereas this album, I think, is a mix between the two. Um, and I think that that's me. I'm set now, you know. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I hope that people want to discover that here. Are you at a, at a point where you're just so excited? You you have it's, it's a big day for you. Bang, yes. bang is out. But are you just so excited for people to be able to hear this music? Oh, it's all I live for. Like, this is what I do. Like, I make music and share it with people. I feel like I've got a gift that's wrapped under my stairs, like, in a safe that I'm, like, able to take out very soon. And I'm excited about it. Like, I want everyone to see it. I feel like that's what making music for me is. It's, it's giving people a gift that they can have a party to, they can cry to, they can heal to, they can sing along to. You know, it's it's the only global language, so... To be able to make something that you can give to everyone is is pretty special. So that was a great chat with Jesse J. And like I said, here is Jesse J. on the Pop Shop Podcast performing Bang Bang acoustically. This was fantastic. And take a listen. Body like an hourglass, but I can give it to you all the time. She got a booty like a Cadillac, but I can send you into overdrive. Oh, you've been waiting for that uh, step on the swing. You're bad. Hey, see, anybody could be bad to you. You need a good girl to blow your mind. Bang, bang into the phone. I know you want it. Bang, bang. Hello. Yeah. You've got a very big mouth 
That was great. That was actually the first Pop Shop podcast performance that was taped exclusively for the podcast and really did appreciate Jessie J coming in. She actually came into the Billboard office the day that Bang Bang came out. She was flying to L.A. later that night, like it, like an hour after she taped that interview. So, so wasn't really she, did I think she was that. flying out here to shoot the video, wasn't she? She was indeed, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was very, very cool. So thanks again to Jesse J. All right, Keith, um, we got to wrap up. It's, it's, this this uh, half hour has flown by. It is time for your Charts Out of the Week. <laughs> Hey, okay, so the chart stat of the week is actually related to Bang Bang because I figured let's keep it really super current and not 15 years ago like I've been doing recently. So, wait, before you before you get to the Pop Shop podcast chart stat of the week, uh-huh. I want to I want to point out that people like when you do the throwbacks. I mean, listen, you don't you shouldn't apologize for the throwbacks. Oh, I know, but I'm just mixing it up. Oh, I know. Hey, mix it up all you want. I'm just saying like if you want to go back to like the 60s and 50s and 40s and 30s and 20s let's let's do it man i mean feel free i love those those crazy throwback charts stats of the week so go go ahead with the with the current one though well well i hope you like this one now geez um so bang bang debuts in the top 10 this week and bang bang was co-written by max martin max Ooh. martin is a pop genius and has written most of the pop songs that you've heard in, say, about the past 15 or 20 years. So this is actually his 48th top 10 hit as a songwriter. Um, And if Martin can actually reach number one with the track, it'll be his 18th number one. Now, right now, he is tied with Mariah Carey with 17 number ones apiece in terms of um, the most number ones uh, in terms of songwriters. That's the third most, actually, among all songwriters, 17 with Mariah and Max Martin. So if it goes to number one, it'll be his 18th. He'll be in third place all by himself behind two huge people in music, uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Paul McCartney has had 32 number ones that he's written, and John Lennon has had 26 number ones that he's written. So 
the how we're talking about Max Martin and 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 Paul McCartney in the same breath is kind of amazing. Um, but it could, he could he could get his 18th number one with this track. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean that's that's an amazing figure, and I mean, like you said, every song that you think of over the past 15 years that has really become a ubiquitous pop hit. Max Martin probably had something to do with it. Yes. Whether it's him actually producing or, or writing or one of his many, many disciples. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, that's a very cool stat. And Keith, love that chart stat of the week. All right. So, Keith, that's going to do it for us uh, this week. Uh, again, thanks again to Jesse J for stopping by for the chat and the performance. Um like I said at the top of the show, check out Must Hear Music on Bilber.com, the newest podcast. And uh, check out the Lollapalooza podcast that we taped earlier this week. Keith, we will be back next week. I, I think I might be done the uh, the whole festival circuit now. I went to so many festivals this year, and I think I might be done. So now I'm just in Pop Shop podcast mode all day, every day. Um, do you have any parting words? I do not. All right. With that, uh, let, let's go out on. What's your uh, one of your favorite Max Martin songs? What's one that pops to your head immediately? Um, well, uh, let's go with Robin's "Do You Know What It Takes." Do you know what it takes by Robin on the Pop Show Podcast? Thanks again to everyone listening, and take care. Hey, hey.